Good morning. You guys seem a little tired this morning, am I right? Seem a little tired? I don't know. We're so glad to see you, though. So glad you're here. My name is Kyle. Uh, hopefully, I'll keep you awake for the next few minutes as we just um, share some really cool and incredible things, mostly because we're looking into the Word of God. Uh, football season is here. Oh, some of you woke up, right? Yeah, now you're excited and you're awake. Uh, some of you excited about the Razorbacks, right? Uh, let's talk after game number eight and see how we're rolling here, right? Maybe after game number two anyway, right? It's amazing how we can be so enthusiastic and then we can just kind of just kind of taper off really quick and just kind of uh, get discouraged. As human beings, we have this um, kind of scary capacity to be really enthused, focused, fired up, ready to go, let's do it. And the next thing you know, we're like, I'm too tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to uh, just step away. And the joy fades really, really quick. Um, Even when we're doing good things, a lot of times we get weary and the joy goes by the wayside. Um, With the kids, the toys get Boring really, really fast. Um, I'm sure that you can think of some things in your life that uh, you're blessed with, that you love, you're glad to be a part of, you used to be excited about, and you're just not that excited about anymore. So for just a moment, let me remind us as a church some reasons to celebrate, some reasons to rejoice, some things that we are in tremendously um, blessed with as a church. And before I read this next few things, and it's definitely not an all-inclusive list, there could be so many more things that I could share. This is not a pat me on the back or pat you on the back a moment. This is a let's look at what God has done and what God is doing, and let's praise and glorify his holy name, okay? Over the last year of time, 133 new members in our church at Holland Chapel. That is awesome and incredible. Over the next three months, starting about a month ago, about a three-month span here, so we're in the middle of that three-month span, we're going to have about 15 brand-new babies born. It's about a baby a week. It's pretty crazy. HC groups are growing. People are repenting of their sin and receiving the forgiveness and salvation of Jesus People are being baptized. People are following Jesus. Disciples are being made. And uh, a great number of people here this morning, but second Sunday in August in particular is what my mind went back to. Um, Second Sunday in August is always, first, second Sunday in August, always just odd days for churches. It just is. It's kind of the end of summer. Everybody's taking their last-minute trips. And I know Labor Day weekend, we're doing the same, and that's okay. That's great. That's good. Second Sunday in August. We were packed in this room. I mean packed. A little bit uncomfortable packed, but it was incredible. Let me tell you why all this is happening. Obviously, it's the blessing of God, but it's because you guys are doing good. You guys are making the babies. (laughs) Don't stop. Hey, he said be fruitful and multiply. It's what he said. You guys are engaging in community through HC groups. Don't stop. You guys are helping your friends find and follow Jesus. Don't stop. 
you guys are inviting your friends and your neighbors and your family to church gatherings on Sunday morning, don't stop. Don't stop now. God is doing amazing things, and I think he's got more good things to come. And let me share uh, kind of my heart with you a little bit, and um, I'm speaking not just for myself, but I'm speaking for all of our our pastors when we say this, that we're overjoyed at what God is doing in and through this church. We're overjoyed as we see you just serving the Lord with gladness. I mean, it brings our hearts such joy to see you get truly focused on what matters, and that is Jesus and the glorious gospel and making that known to those around us. So what we've been doing is we've been spending a lot of time praying and processing and trying to figure out and putting other people around us as well to make sure that we can continue to move forward. There's a lot of factors in that, a lot of thoughts in that, a lot of things in that, but one of those factors is just, it's it's space. We've got nearly 100 kids every single Sunday morning that are part of our kids' ministry, which is phenomenal and continues to grow at a rapid pace. Uh, One reason is because about 15 new babies showing up. Um, for other reasons too, but uh, God's just blessing. Uh, this room has uh, just been consistently full, even throughout the summertime, just an incredible attendance, and we praise God for your faithfulness and you bringing your friends and your neighbors. And so we're just in that place of just praying and trying to figure out what we need to do. Um, so a few weeks ago, school started, and uh, for us, it meant change in our family because uh, for the last uh, year, all four of our kids were at Caldwell Elementary School, and so it meant one load up, one take, one drop off, and we made that happen, and it was all good and wonderful. This year, in case you don't know, Benton Schools made a, a pretty big change. Um, they included fifth grade in the middle school this year, so we have a fifth grader, so it meant big change for us. It went now three going to Caldwell and one going to the middle school, and so uh, my wife takes the three younger ones to Caldwell, and my duty is to drop our fifth grader off at middle school. Uh, first day of school, and I know it's first day of school stuff, but at the same time, you you also had a whole new grade added to a school, and, and you know the area over there, you've got the high school, and you've got the junior high, and you've got the middle school, and then just around the block, you've even got an elementary school over there. Uh, there are kids everywhere. It's crazy. So first day of school, we were trying to leave early. We knew it would kind of be chaotic. We knew there was a new grade. We knew it was new everything. We had never dropped off over there before. And so we live, uh, as the GPS will tell you, about six and a half minutes from the school. That's how far we live from the school, about six and a half minutes. And so we left a little bit later than what we wanted to, but we still got gone about 725 from our house, okay? We left about 725. Some of you know where this is going. Anyway, school starts at, what time does it start, son? It starts at 8. Okay, great. I didn't even know. I just knew what time I was supposed to drop him off. So it starts at 8. We left our house about 7.25. I dropped him off at the school at 8.25. And I should have put the picture up there, but I didn't. I've got a picture of us not creeping along in traffic, but sitting in traffic. I mean, we weren't moving. We were just there on North Street, I believe it was. We were just sitting there. And so the second day, we thought, well, we'll pick a different route and The third day, we thought, well, we'll pick a different route. And uh, anyway, it was crazy and chaotic. And uh, yes, indeed, leadership in the school was putting out emails and giving phone calls. Hey, if you'll do this, this will help. And hey, if you'll do that, that will help. And hey, we're going to be doing this. Was it a little bit 
hard, uncomfortable, even frustrating for me getting my one kid to school, having to leave way earlier when I think we ought to because you're going to get stuck in traffic because there's such sheer numbers going to school. Yeah, a little bit frustrating. I'll be honest, a little bit frustrating. But what I didn't do was say to my son, this is so frustrating and I'm so upset and I'm so mad and I don't have any trust in the leadership or in the school that we're just going to pull you out of school and you're not going to go to school now. I didn't do that. And guess what has happened over the last couple of weeks? Leadership at the school has made excellent decisions to make adjustments. People have adjusted to those adjustments, and now we can leave at a decent time, get him to school on time, and everything's flowing pretty good. What happened there was good leadership, making good decisions, and people cooperating with the adjustments that were being made. It's amazing what can be accomplished in any organization with any group of people when leaders are making good choices and people are willing to follow that leadership. It's just amazing what can happen. Now, I say all that to say here we are as a church and, and we're wanting to move forward. You guys are doing good. I mean, that, 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 I, I say that as an encouragement. You're doing good. I mean that. And we as pastors are taking what God is doing among us very seriously, and we want to make wise choices. And what we know is when we make adjustments, it makes things uncomfortable for everybody for a season. Here's one thing I want to remind you of. Anytime we make adjustments as leaders, it makes it more uncomfortable on us than you. Because guess what? Every one of you have got it all figured out. And some of you like to share with us how you've got it figured out. And some of you may have it figured out. And I'm not saying that to complain at you or to gripe at you, but I'm just telling you every time we make an adjustment, people have a different opinion. And we're always trying to make really wise choices in moving ahead. One thing we may do, we may do, is we may make a major adjustment on Sunday mornings because we believe that you're going to continue to do good. We believe that you're going to continue to love people. We believe that you're going to continue to invite people. We believe that people are going to continue to say yes and come to church with you. We can't fit a whole lot more people in this room. There are several things we could do. One of you could write a big old fat check. If you want to. And we'll start building a new, bigger building tomorrow. Okay? Now, is that exciting to talk about? Yeah, it absolutely is. Our long-range team is getting together. We've been praying, talking with them. They're going to get together again soon in the future, near future to pray as to what is next. But even if one of you wrote a big fat check, and we welcome it, if any of you wrote a big fat check today, uh, we're not in a new bigger building tomorrow. It just takes time. Even with money, it takes time, right? So what do we do in the meanwhile? How do we continue to move forward? Uh, we potentially are praying about considering the idea of offering two worship gatherings on Sunday morning. Now, before some of you gasp and go like this, understand that I kind of know the history a little bit. I know that that's happened here before, and maybe it wasn't the greatest experiment ever. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm hearing. But listen, if we have to make that adjustment, and we need to make that adjustment, we'll make that adjustment so that we can move forward with the gospel, and we want you to celebrate that need, not loathe that need. And I want to remind you that if we were to do something like that, that would make it most uncomfortable on your pastors and anybody else. Keaton's got to do what he just did twice and he's got to get here way, way earlier to do it. It just makes things more complicated, but we're willing to do whatever we need to do to move forward with the gospel, believing that you're going to continue to do, doing good. You're going to continue to invite your friends. People are going to continue to respond to your invitations, and that we 
are going to grow. Do I have all that figured out? No. Can I tell you when? No, I don't know the answers all that yet, but I'm just asking you to be understanding of that. Pray for us in that. Let's work together in that. Whatever we've got to do, like we talked about last week, let's get as many people on the bus as possible because one of these days Jesus is coming back like we talked about, and we want people to know him to experience his gospel. Thank you. Thank you, church. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7. This is one of those moments, uh, and it happens to me because I may be talking, but sometimes I'm thinking while I'm talking. And right now it's one of those moments where I'm going to keep talking, and I'm going to go ahead and say what I'm thinking so I don't keep thinking about something else while I'm talking. You didn't understand anything I just said. But right now I'm wondering, what are they thinking right now? Don't get distracted with anything we just said and miss what we're about to read. That's what I'm asking, okay? Don't get distracted with anything we just said and miss what we're about to read. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. What we're being given here is like unto the laws of nature, there are spiritual laws. And just like you have the laws of nature and certain things just happen because of the laws of nature, you have some spiritual laws in place that when one thing happens, there is a reaction to it that always happens. And he kind of gives us a plant harvest um, law here that comes from nature and that also applies spiritually. Um, So in other words, if you plant apples, you're going to get, this is when y'all help me out, When you plant oranges, you're going to get, when you plant a kumquat, you're going to get, you're like, what is that? When you plant spinach, you're going to get what? All right. This is encouraging news for those of us who are doing good. This is a warning for those of us who are doing evil. Read on, verse number 8. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So he's saying to those of us who are doing good, planting spiritual things, keep doing good. For those of us who are deciding to do things our own way and be selfish and do what we desire, not what God desires, he's saying stop it because the results, the harvest is going to come in. If you're planting good things, you're going to get good things. If you're planting bad things, you're going to get bad things. Look now, verse number 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Parents, don't get tired of doing good. Husbands, don't get tired of doing good. Wives, don't get tired of doing good. Employees, don't get tired of doing good. Bosses, don't get tired of doing good. Church, don't get tired of doing good. And man, so many of you 
are doing good. It is amazing from what little bit I get to see. And I don't see everything and I don't know everything, but I'm just amazed at the love that you guys have for others. I want to give you a few, few, few for instances that just came out of this last week. Um, there was a group of ladies that took a little road trip this week, and uh, they brought their friend back a hat. You say, ah, it's no big deal, whatever. It is a very big deal. This group went on this trip. Their friend didn't get to go with her because her granddaughter was having very serious surgery. And they thought about their friend, and they loved their friend, so they brought their friend back, this really cool hat, and they loved on her. That's this church just doing good and loving those that are around them. Don't stop doing good. There are quite a few folks in our church that are loving on and serving the homeless in our area. They're bringing them help. They're bringing them love. They're bringing them food, and they're bringing them the gospel. Don't stop doing good. There's one man in our church who uh, every single week, uh, twice a day, uh, he goes and visits his 99-year-old mother and loves on her and encourages her and blesses her, spends time with her, spends time with her. Don't stop doing good. Just this week, an HC group helped a family in their group move. Don't stop doing good. Another group of people from our church helped our new recovery missionary move to town. Don't stop doing good. Listen, these are just a few of the things that I'm aware of. There's another huge thing that's happened this week. Two families in our church, two different families this week have begun either to foster and or have adopted little ones. Guess what's going to happen in those little ones' life? They're now going to be loved. They're going to be well taken care of. They're going to be well fed. They're going to be blessed in every kind of way, and they're going to hear the gospel. Don't stop doing good. Again, these are just a few of the things that I am aware of. And you guys are doing so many other things. Don't worry. Be encouraged. God sees it all. God sees it all. He's watching what you're planting. He's watching what you're doing. And he is ready and willing to bring a harvest for what you are doing. Again, verse number 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give Well, when is your harvest going to come? I don't know. What is your harvest going to be? I don't know, but I will say this, that if you're sowing things that are good and things that God is pleased with, then the harvest is going to be good. When is your miracle going to happen? I don't know. When is your breakthrough going to happen? I don't know, but the God who gave us his one and only son to die promised here in Scripture, Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9, that the harvest is coming. It's why we don't give up. It's why we keep going. It's why we keep parenting. It's why we keep loving. It's why we stay married. It's why we keep following Jesus. It's why we keep inviting our friends to Jesus. It's why we keep doing what he's called us to do because he's promised a harvest is here to come. So we have Jesus. We talked about the laws of nature a little bit earlier and the spiritual laws very quickly. Um, Jesus is pretty amazing in so many ways. And one of the ways that I'm amazed by Jesus is his ability to defy the laws of nature. I can't defy the law of nature. You can't defy the law of nature. But Jesus came along and defied many of the laws of nature. For instance, Jesus walked on water. Who does that? Jesus. Right? He defied the laws of nature when he did that. 
He caused a man that was blind to be able to see. Who does that? Jesus. He caused one that was lame and couldn't walk to be able to stand up and to walk. Who does that? Jesus. He caused some who were dead to come back from the dead and to live again. Who does that? Jesus. He defies many times the law of nature. And Jesus, in fact, defies the spiritual laws sometimes. He trumps them. He goes beyond them. Because Jesus rose up from the grave after dying in our place on the cross and taking our punishment. He can cleanse me. He can cleanse you from your sin and remove the penalty of our sin. You see, the spiritual law says my sin causes me to have to have punishment. Jesus comes along and says, you know what? I don't want you to experience that punishment. I'm going to outdo that spiritual law. I'm going to die in your place so that you don't have to experience that punishment. That's how good Jesus is. So we talk about planting and we talk about harvesting. Listen to me very carefully. There is no more fertile ground than at the foot of the cross. If you really want to get a harvest, plant your faith, plant your trust at the feet of Jesus. One thing that I believe with all of my heart, because God says he guarantees it. He says when you come to Jesus and you plant your faith In your trust, understanding that you're a sinner and that he's the Savior, that you will get a harvest of new life. You will have heaven waiting for you when this life is over and that he will change your life today. That's the promise of Jesus. I don't know about miracle grow, but that's miracle grace. When you come to Jesus, the trade that takes place, he says, hey, I tell you what, you give me your sin, I'll take that and everything that comes with it, I will allow for it to cause me to die here on the cross, I'll take all of that, and hey, in return, let me give you my righteousness. That's what Jesus gives us through the cross. He makes a trade that is unbelievable, that defies the spiritual laws, and he gives us grace. You want to harvest? Place your faith in Jesus. He'll forgive you. He'll take away your sin. He'll give you his righteousness. He will allow you to experience forgiveness. The law says you deserve punishment. Jesus overrules it and says, I'll take it. Jesus offers grace. Receive it. Live in it. Do good in it. If there's any one of you here today that have never placed your faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone, there is one thing that we are about at Holland Chapel that we all agree on. It's what brings us together. It's what keeps us going. It's what causes us to worship. It's what causes us to live. It's what causes us to go forward every single day. And it's the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is sinless, that he died on, for our, in our place on the cross, and that he didn't stay dead, but he came back from the dead, and that anyone that places their faith in him can receive life and life eternal, having their sins wiped away and experiencing the righteousness of Jesus. And if you've never experienced that, that's why we do what we do. That's why we buy a hat while we're on a trip and take it back to somebody we love. That's why we do the good things that we do because Jesus has changed us and we want to share that love with other believers and we want to share that love with people that haven't believed yet. Those people who are out there 
planting those things are going to bring about decay and destruction in their life. We want that to change. We want them to experience the gospel. We believe that Jesus can and will change anybody. Why do we believe that Jesus can and will change anybody? Because he changed us. I don't know about you, but I was a lost cause. Hopeless, helpless, stuck in my sin. And Jesus came along and he showed me his love. And he showed me his work on the cross. And he revealed to me his empty tomb. And he's changed me and he's changed you. And when he changes us, Ephesians tells us that he has recreated us. He's made us anew in him. And he's made us anew in him to do good works. Why? Because my good works and your good works point to Jesus. We're not doing what we're doing to get favor from God. We're doing what we're doing because we've already received favor from God. Are you with me? We came to church today because we've already been given the favor of God. We showed up here to praise him, not to get him to like us. He already likes us. He already loves us. He's already received us. He's already accepted us. He's already adopted us. He's already made us his own. And therefore, we respond to him by doing good. Keep going. Keep serving, church. Keep loving. Keep inviting. And I don't mind saying this week would be a great week for you to uh, invite that friend that you've been thinking about inviting or inviting them again. If you've already invited them, there's invite cards on the, on, the, on the seats this week. You can take one, two, take more. There's more in the back. You can grab them. This next Sunday, we're starting a brand new series in the book of Exodus. It's going to be an exciting journey as we uh, look into the, how God is such a God of rescue and how he comes to redeem and to pull us out from what we're stuck in. Keep inviting. Keep helping. Keep discipling. Keep doing good. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God just to bless all of you who are part of our church that are just so faithful to do what Jesus has asked you to do. Every day you just wake up, and you're like, God, who can I bless today? And he reveals something to you, and you just do your best to do it. Man, thank God for you. Keep doing good. And I also want to pray that for those of you who are in this room that have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, that today you would understand what we have and what we are so glad to share in the perfect work of Jesus on the cross and the incredible resurrection that took place. And he is alive today. He is willing to save you and to rescue you today. And if you've never received Christ, we want you to pray today. We want you to get real with God today. We want you to receive Jesus today. It's as simple, and yet it's as powerful as admitting to God who you are without Jesus. And who you are without Jesus is just who we were without Jesus. Lost and stuck in your sin. We want you to confess that to Jesus, just as we have. And we want you to believe in Jesus, just as we have, and experience his forgiveness and his righteousness that only he can bring. And guess what he will do? He will change your life forever. Church, we believe that, don't we? Isn't that our prayer for our friends? Isn't that our prayer for our neighbors? Isn't that our prayer for our, our coworkers? Isn't that our prayer for the people around us? We want that for them, and we want that for you today. So would you bow your head, and would you pray with me?